What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Nerdpool Podcast. As always, I am your host, the fat fool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me, it's me, it's a JMIE, your 47th favorite podcast host, and as always, your Sherpa down the road of nerdiness. And before we get into today's episode, uh, I'm asking you guys for a little help. Nothing to do with me. Um, one of my favorite podcasts, the Tell Em Steve Dave podcast, which is hosted by Walt Flanagan and Brian Johnson of Comic Book Men from AMC and Brian Quinn, who you might know as Q from the Impractical Jokers. Uh, there's a whole slew of people that are on the podcast, you know, just regulars, uh, Sunday Jeff, Ming, there's Mike Zapsick, Malcolm, Frank Number 5, and they're the titular lovable oaf, um, Get em Steve Dave. And I'm asking for help from all the chimichangas and tacos out there because get him Steve Dave recently lost his house in a house fire not only did he lose his house he actually had three cats who two of them he's raised as kittens one he's found recently uh, injured and has been nursing back to health and paying for vet bills on they all tragically passed away in the fire and there is a Link for a podcast, Tell Him Steve Dave did, called Fahrenheit 148, which is actually helping to go towards rebuilding his house on, on the farm where he lives, takes care of horses. You know, he's, if you know the podcast, he's a lovable oaf, and we all, you know, kind of make fun of him, but it's, it's a family. Like, I really feel like I've, I've known Get Him, even though I, I really don't know Get Him. It's, it's weird that you can get, you know, you can get close to people who you've never actually met. Uh, so... I would like it, all the Chimichon Tacos to go out there. And the podcast is only a dollar to buy. You can always donate more there. You can, you know, spend however, spend however much you want for the podcast. But it's only a dollar. You get a, over an hour of content of them telling the story. And it, it's rather funny. It's emotional. It's heartbreaking. It, it's all a bunch of different things rolled into one with the Tell Them Steve Dave style. Uh, I really hope you guys will go there. I'll leave a link in the description of the podcast. But also... You can go, it's bandcamp.com slash Dave G-E-T-E-M-D-A-V-E, or you can go to the Tell Em Steve Dave version on Bandcamp, and you can find the podcast. Again, guys, I hope that you will do this. All of this will go, go towards helping him to rebuild. His friends have already bought him um, supplies and stuff, and there's supposed to be a GoFundMe, I think, set up, and I will let you know in advance if that comes. But please, if you can, just go to Bandcamp.com, B-A-N-D-C-A-M-P.com, slash GetEmSteveDave, G-E-T-E-M-D-A-V-E. Spend a dollar, buy the podcast, get entertained, and really help a, a good-hearted person out. Now, with that being said, let's get into the episode. Today's episode, we're going to be reviewing All Out, the AEW second pay-per-view. Um, I know that people are like, this is becoming mostly a pro wrestling podcast. Well, it's because pro wrestling is a lot going on right now. I mean, there there is a lot going on right now. And we're not just going to talk about the pay-per-view. We're going to talk about it a little bit more going into it. Because it's really a fun time to be a professional wrestling fan. It's a huge time to be a professional wrestling fan. Wrestling has upticks and downticks. In the 80s, it got huge. Mid 90 or the early 90s, it dropped off. Late mid to late 90s, early 2000s, it boomed again, probably to the highest point it's ever been, and it's dropped off here until recently. With the advent of AEW, MLW, Ring of Honor, Impact's coming back, 
There's uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, WWE. There's just so many places for stars to actually have moments. Um, AEW goes to, you know, the TNT Network uh, in the beginning of October. We have WWE NXT moving to the USA Network on Wednesday night at the exact same time to battle AEW. So we're going to get the Wednesday Night Wars. NWA is doing studio wrestling again starting in October. Fox is getting SmackDown in October. There's just so much going on in the world of professional wrestling. And it's such a big deal that, you know, I, I just love talking about it. And we're reviewing all out today. So let's just jump right in with the buy-in. The buy-in saw the Women's Casino Battle Royale uh, with the winner of this getting the number one contender or getting a slot in the number one contender match for the AEW first inaugural AEW Women's Championship. We have a lot of surprises in this match. Um, you know, Till Piper was this was her debut match. The first time you're going to actually see her on a big thing on a big screen. The daughter of Roddy Roddy Piper, and she comes in. She hits an eye poke. She hits a sleeper hold and gets eliminated. Very quick, but she just signed with Women of Wrestling, so I kind of I'm guessing they didn't want to show too much there because they're saving that for her. Uh, Eva Lee, Jazz, ODB makes a special appearance. We get we get pictures of Swole. Sadie Gibbs finally makes her appearance. We get to see the gorgeous Penelope Ford. Gee, she is so hot. And yes, she is in there. And she is in the women's division. And I cannot be more excited because she can actually go too. This is the women's division in AEW is getting stacked. And we see in the Joker card, the final entrance into the match is the veteran badass Mercedes Martinez when she hit out I popped big because I mean it's a huge thing for to get Michelle or excuse me Mercedes Martinez she is a a hell of a worker she's been doing it for a while she gets it she was helping train in some in NXT so I, I guess her contract there wasn't up I guess maybe they didn't sign her completely I don't know I really hope they sign her because she is at such a a great addition to the women's division uh, we see Leva Bates as the librarian with a spectacular non-elimination at, right at the beginning to where her feet get caught in the ropes. Peter Avalon, the other librarian, sets books down because both feet have to touch the floor. And she walks on books to get back into the ring. The final three come down to Dr. Britt Baker, who was the favorite to win. B. Priestley, who was the one that gave Britt Baker the concussion and they're working towards the story. And the powerhouse Nyla Rose. They both try to annihilate, uh, eliminate Nyla. Ends up B. Priestley ends up getting eliminated. She holds on to Britt Baker. Nyla eliminates. So Nyla is one of the first women to go for the AEW Women's Championship. That'll probably happen at. Uh, I would think it would happen at Full Gear, but actually it is happening on the first TV tapings. That's going to be a, a big match for TV. The next up in the buy-in, we get Private Party and a showcase match against Jack Evans and Angelico. If you guys have been listening for any length of time, I keep singing the praises of Angelico. The dude, just to me, has he has it. Uh, as far as his talking ability, we don't really hear him talk much. So, I mean, I, that I don't know. But, I mean, just look-wise, in-ring work, I think the guy has it. That's just me talking. This was a, a great match. Jack Evans was actually the really standout of this match as he took the majority of the beating and he took some spots that were botched and he made them actually work. Jack Evans is a, is a great worker, very athletic. Uh, I just don't see him going for it. And that's nothing against him. It's just 
I don't know, because of his size and everything, they might not know. In the tag team division, maybe. This was really another showing out for Private Party as they were trying to establish them as one of the top tag teams. Great, great showing for both of them. Both teams actually, you know, showed out in this, and they work really well together. We get Private Party picking up the win with their double team Hurricane Rana into a RKO cutter combination, which is a badass finish. It looks cool. They pick up the win after the match, and Helico and Jack Evans attack them, signifying that they're not just going to be, I don't think they're going to be just secondary players. They're actually going to be, you know, big wigs in the tag team division, and they're actually going to do something with them because that was the biggest fear forever because they've lost every match. Is them saying, hey, look, we're going to actually do something with you. We're going to start a feud. We're going to make you into something. Great, you know, it was a fun, fun match. I'm not doing, I don't, I don't really do rating systems. I might eventually, but... For me, it's just because I, I try to find the good and everything. I don't really want to give people bad ratings at all the time, but we'll see how it goes on. We get the first start of the actual pay-per-view, uh, Jim Ross coming in. And let me just tell you this before we start about Jim Ross's. Jim Ross is the greatest professional wrestling announcer it is. When Jim Ross is passionate, he is on. During this entire pay-per-view, he does great, and then he does not so great. There's times when he doesn't know people's names right. He mispronounces it over and over, and it kind of annoys me. He does it with Pac when they keep calling him Pac, and I don't know why, but that just that always kind of annoys me. There's times when you can tell that JR isn't really into what's going on. Like, it's not his style of wrestling. The crash and burn is not his style, and you can tell he's not fully invested, but he's he's giving it his all to try to make it seem like it's it's really important. My hat's off to JR. Uh, I just, at times, it feels like maybe this isn't the right fit for him. I don't want JR to go anywhere. I love hearing JR's voice. It brings me back to my childhood, and he's still the best announcer in professional wrestling. I just, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this style of wrestling, if, if you know, a lot of what AEW does in the new style of wrestling, it's going to be what he he's into uh we'll see how that gets going forward especially they got tony shivani ace caliber golden boy they took alex marvez off the announced team which was good marvez seemed like he was a little nervous and he wasn't ready so he's doing backstage stuff which fits him better jumping in we get the first match which is scu scu taking on the newly dubbed jurassic express of luchasaurus jungle boy and marco stunt that's right we get the little boy, a boy, and his dinosaur taking on SCU. SCU comes out doing their normal shtick. This is the worst town I've ever been in. We get a huge pop for Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Marco Stunt. Luchasaurus and them are really over. This match has some fun moments, fun aspects in it. Um, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy helping Marco Stunt to get moves off. Marco Stunt taking the majority of the beating here. In the end, SCU gets the win, and I know that they're—I guess they're going to build SCU to be a threat in the tag team division. But I really don't know if SCU is the the right win to go over. I kind of think they should have put Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy and Stunt over. If anything, for Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, who are extremely over, and if you want them to be a part of your tag division and more than just a, a kid act, then you—they you, probably should have got the win here. All in all, good match, fun, fast paced. The hot tag from Luchasaurus. Next in, a surprising match to start off. Uh, John Moxley got MRSA, staph infection in his elbow, had to pull out a week in advance, or excuse me, a week and a half, two weeks in advance of this match against Kenny Omega. They put in Pac, the former 
uh, Neville in the WWE, the former 205 Live champion, cruiserweight champion, whatever you want to call it. So in the second match, surprisingly, we get Pac versus Kenny Omega. And this is a dream match. I mean, it really is a match that people have would love to have seen and people have talked about. And with no build, they went into this. And people that are saying that this match is boring, guys, they had no build to it. And they put on a good match. This is probably the match of the night. It's hard-hitting. It's a Japanese-style building to a crescendo match. They they all got their sticks in. The only issue is, as I, the guardrails for the... Um, around the ringside area, were a little closer to the ring, I guess, than normal. Kenny Omega does his where you think you're going dive on the outside, hits his ankles on the guardrail, and it looked like it hurt. Pac goes up for a moonsault on the outside, hits his shins directly on top of the guardrail, and I really thought he broke them. I mean, it was it was bad. AEW needs to move the, the guardrails a couple feet out because people were hitting them left and right, and it looked sick when it did like when i heard that crash i was like oh my god they were doing cool moves um and cool sequences to where they would do instead of the drop down tackle you know step over they would drop down one would step over the other one and just sit there and look at them very hard hitting where they were hitting each other v triggers on v triggers counters from v triggers counters from one winged angels we get a counter out of the red arrow uh as Pac puts him in the brutalizer submission with Kenny Omega ends up passing out. The referee gives Pac the nod in a surprising win. They give it to Pac. I kind of figured Pac was going to win here. It's his first big match in AEW and Kenny Omega can eat this loss because it was a good, it was a good match. And he always says out of, I was preparing for Moxley. I was ready for, I was ready for Moxley and, you know, I got a opponent that's completely different. There's always an out here. And then, again, people are complaining about Kenny Omega being booked in AEW. Guys, Kenny Omega is being booked because he doesn't they're, – they're not trying to put the elite over. I know Kenny Omega is one of your big stars, but they got big plans for Kenny. Don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. Okay. But Pac kicks up that win. Um, it was a great match. Best match of the night, in my opinion. It was hard-hitting Japanese-style match, and I really, really enjoyed it. Next up, we have Jimmy Havoc, Darby Allen, and Joey Janela in a triple threat match. This was all kinds of crazy. Jimmy Havoc gets in the ring, immediately goes out, grabs a staple gun, starts staple gunning himself. They pull him into the outside. Joey Janela and Darby Allen tape him to a chair. They take tacks, pour in his mouth, tape his mouth shut. They're doing dives on him. At one point, Joey Janela is positioned in a chair as Jimmy Havoc monkey flips him. Janela grabs the chair, flips up, lands sitting in the chair, crosses his legs, waves at a camera. Janela's on the outside, going to the ring looking for weapons, pulls out a tennis racket, says nah, and throws it away. Another slick nod to his feud with Jim Cornette. There's, this match is sponsored by Cracker Barrel. There's actually barrels with the Cracker Barrel logo on the outside. Jimmy Havoc gets one of the barrels. And you have, there's a pan of biscuits. He hits with a pan of biscuits. There's a dive where Mark Darby Allen's on the outside. Joey Janela runs and does a Canadian Destroyer on Darby Allen through a table. People are getting hit with biscuits, like I said. Darby Allen goes up for a coffin drop with one of the barrels on his back. Jumps, completely eats shit as Jimmy Havoc moves. Lands on the back of the steps with his coffin drop. Guy, 
I'm going to tell you this, Darby, this coffin drop thing, if it's never going to hit, you don't need to be doing it. Dude, you're, you're going to end up paralyzed. That is a rough move to take. And I know the barrel kind of stopped you, you know, it slowed the momentum down, but there's, it looks good, you know, and it can get you over because it's a big spot, like the Mick Foley elbow drop. But, man, it's just not a long-lasting thing that's going to work forever. Joey Janela goes for a moonsault to the outside. Nobody there completely eats shit. I mean, it's just, this is all over the place. Darby Allen has a skateboard with thumbtacks on the bottom of it, does an ollie off the top rope onto the back of Joey Janela. Havoc goes to hit him, hits his hand with it. We end up getting an acid rainmaker on the other barrel from Jimmy Havoc onto Joey Janela, and Jimmy Havoc picks up his first win in AEW, which surprised me. I figured Darby Allen would be the favorite to win this because he's the one that seems to be the most over, but Jimmy Havoc doing this. This was a crazy hardcore match, but it was fun to watch. All three of these guys work well together. They work good in that element. And for what they were doing for this type of match, whether you like it or not, I can do a hardcore match. I don't do death matches. This was not a death match. This was a hardcore match, and it worked out surprisingly well for this. Congratulations, Jimmy Havoc and Darby Allen. I mean, that was that was probably the breakout performances of the night as they had a match that was, you know, top of the card. Next up, we have the Dark Order versus uh, the Best Friends. Dark Order, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson against Trent Beretta and Chuck Taylor. And with the winner getting a first-round bye in the AEW Tag Team Championship Tournament. Dark Order, I feel they want them to be this heelish, um, mysterious, scary tag team. And it's just not really working. Evil Uno's doing his job as best he can. He doesn't really look that menacing. Stu Grayson it doesn't match him at all. He looks like Vega from the from Street Fighter, and it just their costumes don't seem like they make sense. There's no real reason for them to be together. We don't explain what they are, who they are, why they're together. We've got the creepers out there that look like Evil Uno's fuck slaves, Gimp boys. I don't know what's really going on. Chuck Taylor and uh, Trent Beretta, the best friends. The biggest pop is them getting a hug. They work well as a tag team together. This match was done well. I mean, it wasn't a bad match. It's just, I don't really know what the Dark Order is. We haven't had enough time to process what the Dark Order is. When they get the TV, maybe we'll be able to actually go and, you know, figure out what's going on, who they are, why they are the way they are, why they're together. But right now, it's just that they doesn't seem like they haven't done a great job of building them to be what they're wanting them to be. The Dark Order gets the win. The over the best friend, so they get the buy into the first round. They get attacked, and as the Creepers are tracking Trent Beretta and walking him out of the arena, the lights go out, the lights come back on, and in the middle of the ring is the superstar, freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. The man sitting there with the sunglasses on, hands in his pockets, run, does a so tope soacita suicide dive through the middle ropes onto the Creepers, Hands in his pocket, rolls in the ring, kip up, hands in his pocket, never leaving, and just stands there. It's never lost his sunglasses, nothing. And then we get the best friend hug, and they explain that Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor are actually training partners, and have they've all kind of come up together in professional wrestling. So I guess he might be with them, or maybe it was just for this, maybe it's for a tag team coming up, I don't know. But it worked. Orange Cassidy is super over. I know a lot of people don't like Orange Cassidy. A lot of people think that the whole thing he does is stupid. Um, I kind of tend to agree with Brian Zane here. 
to where when you see Orange Cassidy and the way he's perceived and how the fans, you know, love him so much and the fans of AEW love him so much that when you get a casual fan watching, they're going to look and they're going to, even though they might not get it, they're going to say, who is this guy? You know, why is he so beloved? And then if they go and they Google his name, they'll see some of his matches. He can actually work in the ring. Like, he's he's really good. He's a really good worker. His gimmick we get is kind of strange, but it works for him. He's, he's a comedic wrestler, and there is room for comedy in professional wrestling, especially when it gets over. Orange Cassidy is super over, and I'm, you know, I'm really happy that he's in AEW, and I'm excited to see where they go with him. Um, uh, this goes back to the Jim Ross calling. Jim Ross at one point says, who is he? They keep saying his name. He goes, no, who is he? What is he doing? He's trying to get them to explain why he's helping Chuck Taylor, why he's helping them, why he's out there. Uh, you could tell that the, the Excalibur and him are kind of green into the aspect of calling like JR does. They're getting better, but again, having to meld a little bit. But seeing Orange Cassidy was a, was a huge... You know, it was a huge pop for me because I thought it was just fun because we never, you know, I wouldn't expect him to see him on this show and seeing him and seeing him do part of his shtick, it was just super over with the crowd and anybody who's never watched AEW before, uh, they see that, I hope that they can appreciate Orange Cassidy and at least go look at him and see if there's something they'll be into. Next up, we get Riho versus, her. <clears throat> I'm going to butcher her name, so I'm just going to end up saying her middle name, her last name, Hikuru... Sheeta. So we got Riho versus Sheeta uh, with the winner of this match going on to face Nyla Rose October 2nd for the AEW Women's Championship on TNT. Again, a fun match. They keep putting over how Riho is 98 pounds. Sheeta is an amazing talent. So is Riho. These Joshi style matches, they go out there and they give it their all. I mean, they're just flying. They're telling stories. This was a great women's match. And I see why... I know that Riho's kind of getting special treatment because Kenny Omega has an affinity for her because, you know, they've wrestled at DDT together. He's known her since she was, I think, like nine years old or something. Like, she's wrestled since she was nine. She's a veteran. Sheeta helped carry her into this match. I mean, it was a fun women's match. The the style that the Joshis wrestle, when they're, you know, they're smaller, they're, they're lighter weight, they can move quick. It's fast-paced. It's you know, fun, and they tell a good story on the time up top of being so fast-paced. Riho gets the win, and so now we get the David versus Goliath turn as Riho will take on Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose comes out, and they on the stage and kind of has a stare down with Riho. I, see, I don't know where this is going to go. Uh, I don't know where that match goes because I my gut says put the belt on Nyla. That's my gut because she's the heel, she's the monster, and you can have a babyface chaser. But Riho coming from behind and being the severe underdog to somehow sneak out a win could work too. As she's the you know the scrappy babyface underdog that wins the title. I don't know where this goes, but I'm interested for this match because it's a different style. It's two completely different body types and styles going at it, and it's going to be interesting. Next up, we have Cody versus Sean Spears. Sean Spears comes out with Tully Blanchard sitting on a ch the chair, supposedly, that he cracked over Cody's head, wearing his hood. He takes his hood off, and his he's got contacts that are just white eyes with black pupils. It's contacts. It looks creepy. looks great. He's in the ring. He's ready. Cody 
MJF, Brandy, Pharaoh, and DDP all come out dressed in Star Trek The Next Generation. I believe it is Get Up, which I don't get. I don't get going cosplay. I know you wanted the big entrance, but I don't get the cosplay aspect when this match is supposed to mean so much and be such so serious. Uh, Pyro goes off and scares the bejesus out of Pharaoh, the, their dog. I felt so bad for that dog because he was scared to death, you know, when that Pyro went off. They're saying who's going to, you know, who's going to be in the ring with Cody. The ref is telling Earl Hepner saying, you know, you get one person to be with you. And it ends up being MJF, which we all figured. Um, I thought, like, MJF's turning on Cody at some point. We we know that. We know where this is leading. They're, they're not doing it yet. They didn't do it tonight. They teased it, but they didn't. I'm kind of glad because it's something that they can play out. And when they do, it'll be a, it'll be a big, big deal. The match was great. This was a, the, you know, Cody has become so great at telling stories in the ring and so great at emoting what he needs to emote. Sean Spears has always been a hell of a hand, and I thought it was extremely underutilized in the WWE. And this match was great. It was not their either one of their best match, but this was a coming out for Sean Spears. It was, it was you know, it was about traditional wrestling matches, what Cody has become to is full of emotion, full of storytelling. Um, we get Tully Blanchard interfering. At one point, Sean Spears takes off Cody's belt. He's going to whip him. The ref's like, you can't do that. There's going to be, you know, disqualification. He throws the belt down. Tully hands him his belt, and he whips Cody viciously with this leather belt. And you see the welts come up, and Cody kind of hulks out. But it's right in front of the referee. I didn't get why... The ref was going to disqualify him for the Cody's belt, but didn't for Tully's belt. AEW's got to have some kind of of continuity here because they're saying that this is going to be traditional wrestling, you know, and like they want to bring it back to what wrestling was. Well, in wrestling, that would have been a DQ. You know, they they could either have this been a D, no DQ match, which would have made it screams extreme sense in the story of Cody getting cracked with a chair. It would have made sense, or have Tully. Blanchard distract the referee while he whips Cody. You know, there's a hundred different ways you could have done that without doing it right in front of him because they're doing it. They're, they, Cody uses the chair to kick into the face of Sean Spears, which should have been a DQ because he used it as an offensive move right in front of the referee. Guys, look, I'm rooting for you, but stuff like that, you can't say that wins and losses matter and, you know, we're going back to traditional styles of wrestling and whatever if you're still doing stuff like that. it, it You can't have it both ways, guys. It just it doesn't work, okay. Still doesn't take away from this match. Uh, it's totally getting interfered. We see the enforcer, Arn Anderson, former partner with the Brain Busters, with Tully Blanchard, come out, and he delivers spine to the pine, a beautiful spine buster onto Sean Spears. I mean, even out of shape as Arn is, as you know, old as he is, as not not disabled as. As much as as limited as he is to be able to do stuff, still delivers a beautiful spine, but still the best spine buster in the game. Spine busters him, walks up the ramp. Tully's following him for some reason, looking like Arn. What are you doing? We were friends. Does following him doesn't follow him down the same path and just leave Sean Spears. That's when Cody has a chair. He doesn't hit him with it. Throws it. Hits it. Hits a disaster kick on him. Grabs him, crossroads, ends up winning. Cody beat Sean Spears, which, again, I do not agree with. I don't understand it. Cody should not have won this match. Nothing against Cody, but you this this feud could have been extended. You could still extend it because, you know, Sean has the outfit. 
I didn't lose arm, you know, hit me with a spine buster out of nowhere. I wasn't ready. But Sean Spears, this should have been his big win in AEW. Now, Cody, I don't, Cody's won every singles match he's been in. Well, he had a time limit draw with Darby Allen, but they're building Cody up to where the person that beats Cody is going to be a star. I know what they're doing, but I just didn't understand it because they could have did that here with Sean Spears. Sean Spears is going to be a player for them. He he really is. He's got the look. He's got the ability. He can talk. He's got everything you want. And I know he's going to be a big player for him. I just really think the wrong guy went over. But it doesn't take anything away from the match here. doesn't take anything away from the match. Great match. Great psychology in the match. And this is more of a traditional style professional wrestling match, which is what you needed before we go into this. For the AAA tag team titles, the Escalara de la Muerte. Ladder match for the Triple A tag team titles as Pentagon and Phoenix take on the Young Bucks. The Bucks come out wearing Lucha style Buck Skull mask. Uh, we get a dueling Cerro Mero chant from uh, the Phoenix and Pentagon, and the Young Bucks are saying Cerro Huevos, which means zero nuts, saying that they don't have the balls to compete in this type of match. This match, guys, I can't even, I couldn't even keep up with this if I wanted to. This was a crash and burn spot fest. Hell of a match. Like, this match is so crazy. So many big bumps. And there's that's the problem. They did so many big bumps that it took away from some of the bumps because there's times when they did a bump where they should have been out. Uh, Pentagon does a bump onto Matt Jackson to where he does a Canadian's Destroyer off the top of a ladder, through a table in the middle of the ring. Jumps, flips, pile drives him through the table. That should have been it. He should have been out of the match, but he wasn't. They do, they're jumping off of ladders onto the other's respective partner, mimicking each other. There's just so many spots, people getting put through ladders, moonsaults, uh, corkscrews. They're going for the best melts or ever. I mean, they're going for the Meltzer driver. Uh, that's getting missed. It's so insane. The The ending of the match saw Nick Jackson in the center of the ring reaching for the belts as Pentagon goes to push him off, push the ladder over. There's two tables set up on the outside, and he goes, foot catches the top rope, and he goes head first into the tables. Two tables set up side by side. He crashes through one. Head bounces off the second one. Cuts his hand open. He's out. Like that. He's out of the match. It's a reminiscent of what Bubba Ray Dudley did in TLC2 when he went through two tables on the outside. It's That's the same spot. And it just looked brutal because his foot caught. Um, Pentagon's up. Gets his mask ripped off. He dumps the ladder over. There's... Just insane. They package pile drive Nick, or excuse me, Matt. They package pile drive him onto a ladder, on set it between the ring apron and the guardrail as Phoenix jumps off and hits it as Pentagon package pile drive taking him out. The Lucha Brothers win. Guys, again, this match was an extreme spot fest. It was dangerous. It's fun. These guys are bringing people in. I get it. But they're taking so many bumps that really almost killed them and could have killed them. Guys, you don't have to do that for us. You you really don't because this is 
while it was so entertaining and so had me just every time you know I had no time to relax it was just boom 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 man it could scare you at times watching some of the bumps after the match though we get two guys coming out in presidential masks beating up Pentagon and Phoenix beating up the young bucks they take off the mask to reveal it is Santana and Ortiz LAX or formerly LAX now they kept calling them the Bariquas which apparently is Spanish for Puerto Ricans. I don't know if that's what they're going by or not, but they are now officially in AEW. They have made a splash, and they are going to be huge. The tag team division in AEW was stacked before. It is extremely stacked now, and it has the best division in professional wrestling. Don't at me, because there's, there's no way you can top it. Next up, in the main event for the inaugural AEW World Heavyweight Championship. We have Chris Jericho and Hangman Adam Page. And Adam Page got to come to the ring on his horse. Guys, he got to do it. And there's one thing I will say about this. It always looks cool because he did some cowboy shit. But people are like, I've never seen anybody come to the ring before on a horse. Jeff Jarrett did it in the 90s. Jerry Lawler did it in Memphis for the AWA Championship on a white horse. Guys, learn your history. Come on. This isn't new. It's cool, but it isn't new. The Hangman wasn't the first one. Jerry Lawler was. Come on. Give the guy respect. Next, and we have the Painmaker Jericho coming out. The match was hard-hitting. The match was brutal, well-paced, well-timed, and it had a great psychology to it. Jericho is still a master of it. He made Hangman look like a million bucks. Hangman busts Jericho open over the same eye that he busted Paige open in kind of a karma reincarnated thing. But it kind of it's weird to have Jericho bleed because he's the heel. And I know that they wanted it to be that he busted him over the eye that he busted him open at. But it kind of makes Jericho look sympathetic when he's taking it. But it's hard hitting the entire match, you know... Jericho's psychology in this match played well. He played to the crowd. He made Hangman look like the the white hot baby face. Gave him the comebacks when he needed to give him the comebacks. Jericho ends up winning. Uh, we hit the buckshot lariat. We hit the last ride. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he goes for the pin. One, two. Jericho kicks out. We go for another buckshot lariat. And when he does, Jericho countered with a Judas effect. One, two, three. They have made the Judas effect look strong to where the first person to kick out is going to be. It's going to be a big moment because he is, nobody has kicked out of the Judas effect. They're doing a great job. And this one actually looked devastating because when Hangman spun to hit it, Jericho actually spun. So it didn't just look like a falling back elbow. It looked like a spinning back elbow. Jericho wins. Jericho will be your AEW champion going into TV. Which, it's smart. I mean, you could have went either way with this. But Jericho having your belt on the national scene is the biggest thing you can do for TV. Because casual fans from the early 90s, or the early 2000s, mid-90s, late 90s, are going to look, see Jericho, and go, hey, that's Chris Jericho. And they, they can have them tune in. You want your belt to be prestigious. This is how you make it prestigious, putting it on one of the most decorated 
wrestlers, performers, and professional wrestling history. All in all, this card was an amazing card. This wasn't their best outing. Double or Nothing, I think, was a better card than this, you know, top to bottom. But this had a lot of good matches. This had a few hiccups here and there. I think sometimes the guys need to slow down their pace a bit because they do kind of botch some moves because they're going, a mile, you know, 100 miles a minute. Slow down just a bit, enough to tell the story. But top to bottom, this was a great card, well worth the money. I pay for it. I do not stream it. I pay for this because I'm trying to help this company out. I'm trying to help, you know, any new professional wrestling venture I can out. And it was it was really, really well done. And apparently they're going to be coming to Chicago every Labor Day weekend for All Outs or whatever they're going to call it. Uh, they did announce that in November 9th they're doing Full Gear, which will be their next pay-per-view after they start TV. So we'll be able to get, you know, build from TV into that, which will help with the selling of that pay-per-view. So all in all, AEW has a bright future. Uh, not everything is rosy. Not everything is great. You know, I think AEW's honeymoon phase is starting to end. It's not a bad thing. We all knew it was going to. Uh, they sold out the first three or four events for TV. The rest of them have sold great, but they haven't sold out yet. And people are saying, you know, that... AEW is already losing fans and that people are already not interested. No, it's not true. It's just, the you know, it, it was going to happen. We're getting now to where we're going to end up seeing where AEW is at. And when TV starts, that's going to be the big thing. Is can they produce a weekly two-hour TV show that keeps us enthralled and keeps us into where we care enough to buy pay-per-views, where we care enough to buy tickets? You have to be able to talk and entertain people to into the seat to be able to get them there. We'll see how AEW does. I think their future looks bright because I think everybody in the entire company is wanting to make it. Everybody's wanting it to be, you know, the next big thing. And WWE is taking it as real competition by them moving NXT to Wednesday nights. They are taking this first time Vince is really, truly counter-programming something. And Vince knows that they, they have a lot of momentum and he's taking it that way. Some news came out this a little bit after, 24 hours after the inaugural AEW championship was won. Jericho was eating dinner at Longhorn Steakhouse. His belt was in the limo. The limo driver apparently drove Jericho's luggage back because he had grabbed the long, wrong luggage, drove his luggage back to the airport, and the belt was stolen. Um, right now, there's speculation that this is all the work with AEW and this is going to be a storyline. I don't know. Uh, they said the police have been involved. This is pro wrestling. We'll never know. But Jericho did put out a statement where he's in a hot tub talking about how it was stolen. I really hope this is a work because I don't want the belt to actually be stolen. I mean, that's that's a shitty-ass move for somebody to steal a belt. People blaming Jericho, saying he was drunk. The man was going to dinner. And if his belt was actually stolen, it was actually fucking stolen. I mean, there's there's nothing he can do about it. Hopefully that it's not true. Hopefully we find the AEW belt. Hopefully it is not you know gone or auctioned off to somebody uh it, it'll be a big thing it's just it's just funny that it happens but again it's a great time to be a pro wrestling fan as we now will have aw and nxt on wednesday nights to the two biggest brands nxt is the best brand wwe has going head to head with aw as i said nwa is coming to TV itself, the Ring of Honor is talking about moving to two hours of um, 
live TV instead of doing tapings. MLW is on the move. New Japan Pro Wrestling. I mean, it's just a it's a huge time. Great time to be professional wrestling fans. Thank you all for the you know for the ride and everybody. I just enjoy it while it lasts because again we have ups and downs in the world of professional wrestling and we're on a huge upswing. Um, and I'm super excited and I hope you are too. So that's going to be it for my review of AEW's All Out pay per view. If you get a chance, check out all these matches if you can. If you have to pick and choose, honestly, check out the Kenny Omega Pac match. It's it's really fun. Darby Allen, Havoc, and Joey Janela is another fun one. And then the, you know, AEW Heavyweight Championship, the Escalara de la Morte ladder match. They're all this entire card was fun. There's not one real bad match on the card. You could watch any of them and enjoy it. Thank you all for listening. Follow me on Twitter at Nerdpool Pod. Follow me on Instagram at Nerdpool Podcast. Follow me on Twitch at Nerdpool Gaming. You guys have been amazing. If you can, again, go to bandcamp.com slash Dave and, and spend a dollar on the podcast to help a, you know, help somebody out who lost everything and lost, you know, he lost some of his family and cats, you know, I say family, but that's his, his pets. He, he lost them in the fire, guys. Let's just help him out. I know the ants have been out there. The army ants have been helping, so let's. Let's just do something good. Let all the chimichangas and tacos, the pool, the poolettes, let's all put our, you know, throw our names in the hat and let's all help. So that's going to be it for Nerd Pool, for wipe that smark off your face. So until next time, that's Nerd Pool. See ya. Thanks.